uh, chapter number 9. If you could stand to your feet tonight for the reading of God's Word. And uh, we want to continue on our series as we continue through Nehemiah. And uh, we're looking forward to tonight. The Bible says in verse number 1, Now on the twenty and fourth day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloths and earth upon them. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and their iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord their God one fourth part of the day and another fourth part they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. Then stood up upon the stairs of the Levites, Jeshua and Bani and Kadmiel and Shabani and Bani and Shabiah and Bani and Shanina, and cried with a loud voice unto the Lord their God. Then the Levites, Jeshua and Kadmiel, Bani, Hashbaniah, Sherebiah, Adijah, Shabarana, and I, I, I didn't even... I didn't even read those names out loud this week, so forgive me. All right, let's get back here. <laughs> okay, all right. And I guess last week I, I messed up on salivating and uh, the shallow, and so here we go, here we go, all right. Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever, and blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all the blessing and praise. And praise the Lord for those dear men. And what a blessing they are and an example to us. Let's pray. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. It certainly is good uh, to be in your house tonight. And Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, the, even the easy names and the more difficult names, Lord, thank you for them. And thank you for their example and what these dear people uh, did in response to your working in their heart. And what we can learn and what we can do as we respond to your working in our hearts. Thank you for all those tonight, maybe, who's uh, tuning in online. We're so thankful for that. Maybe they're out of town or they're working, or maybe they're at home sick, as I know several are. Lord, I just pray that you'll just uh, touch their bodies and help them, wrap your arms around them, hold them close. May they know they're loved here. Thank you for all those who came tonight and are here in the service, Lord. As Pastor mentioned earlier, it's a holiday weekend, and I'm just so thankful for those who understood the importance and wanted to be here. And Lord, I I don't take that lightly, Lord. I believe with all my heart that you have a message for us tonight. May I get out of the way and may you flow through me and may you say exactly what you'd want me to say and nothing more, nothing less. And I pray that we'll be challenged tonight, Lord, to recall some things and to remember some things that can help us stay close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. A young man named John received a parrot as a gift. The parrot had a bad attitude and an even worse vocabulary. Every word out of the bird's mouth was rude and just simply obnoxious. John tried and tried to change the bird's attitude by consistently saying only polite words, playing soft music and anything else he could think of to clean up the bird's vocabulary. Finally, John was fed up and he yelled at the parrot. The parrot yelled back. John shook the parrot And the parrot got angrier and even more rude. John, in desperation, threw up his hands and grabbed the bird and put him in the freezer. For a few minutes, the parrot squawked and kicked and screamed. Then suddenly, there was total quiet. Not a peep was heard for over a minute. Fearing that he'd hurt the parrot, John quickly opened the door to the freezer. The parrot calmly stepped out into John's outstretched arms and said, I believe I may have offended you with my rude language and actions. 
I'm sincerely remorseful for my inappropriate transgressions, and I fully intend to do everything I can to correct my rude and unforgivable behavior. John was stunned at the bird's attitude and the change that happened. And he was about to ask the parrot what had made such a dramatic change in his behavior. But the bird stopped him and continued and said, May may I ask what the chicken and the turkey did? (laughs) Well, sometimes we need a healthy remembrance or a recall like the parrot needed. And though we may not be rude and obnoxious, we may get off course in our life. And may we, we may forget what God's doing and what our purpose is. And I don't think that is our desire. I don't think that we try to. But as I've mentioned often, our flesh is bent toward doing wrong. And just like a car, you take your hand off the steering wheel, it eventually will go one way or the other because of the alignment. We too must keep a firm grip of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and prayer on our lives to keep it on the straight and narrow. And oftentimes, we can be a very forgetful people, but that's not just us. That's been the case throughout history. If you remember, the people of Israel saw God bring them out of Egypt through the plagues. They watched as he split the Red Sea and parted it. But in numbers, the people became very irritating and they were always doubting God. And then Judges comes around and God's people forget the Lord and they sinned and they cried for deliverance. This was nothing new in the New Testament. The disciples, when Jesus Christ said, hey, we're going to feed these 5,000 men. And most people believe there was even up to 20,000 people there, including the women and children. We don't know exact amount. But but, but Andrew says, hey, there's a little lad here with five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus says, bring it to me. And he did. And he blessed it and broke it. And those 5,000 plus people were fed. But a chapter or two later... A very similar experience happened and the disciples once again were doubting Jesus. They go out and pawn the boat and after Jesus fed 5,000 people with two fishes, three, uh, a few fishes and a few loaves of people, a storm came and the people forgot, the disciples forgot that Jesus was on board and they said, Jesus, do you not care? And Jesus calmed the storm. How about you and me? How many times has we've seen God work in our lives? And what a blessing. We stand in a miracle today. This whole property here, the, the buildings. And if you, we love to hear Pastor share the stories. And many of you have been a part of that from the ground up. And it's amazing what God has done. But yeah, how oftentimes we forget sometimes. And it's interesting how God has to recall, has to remind us, has to bring us back with a repentant heart. God's word and prayer and then the scripture can help align our lives. And this is so vital in order for us to be obedient, growing Christians. And you see, after the Ezra stands up and reads the Bible and Nehemiah chapter 8, Nehemiah chapter 9 comes around and now the people's turn to respond to the reading of God's word. And so I want us to see tonight just three different uh, alignments, three different recalling, three different uh, 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 things, if you will, the people did. And first, if you're writing tonight, we see the appropriate attire. The appropriate attire. Notice with me again, if you will, in verse number one, the Bible says, Now in the twenty and fourth day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloth and with earth 
upon them. I see, first of all, they came with a repentant heart. I remember at uh, high school, I was in one particular class, and, and my teacher, his name was Jim Wells, and he was a godly man, but he was in the army, and he had a way of, of just getting you to do what you needed to do. And I'll forget, one day I came to him and I said, I'm sorry, Mr. Wells. And he said, Justin, I'm not interested in your sorry. He says, I really want to know what you're, what, if you're really sorry enough to change. And I learned that day that sorry is more than just a word. It should cause an action. And that's what these dear people did. They came with a repentant heart. A man was praying with his pastor at the altar and he prayed a prayer that the pastor had heard many times before. This dear man had tried and tried and tried. And he said, Lord, take the cobwebs out of my life. And just as he said this, the pastor interrupted, Kill the spider, Lord. Isn't that the case sometimes in our life? Cobwebs come and temptations come. And may I say, we all have been there. But maybe we just need to get a hold of the spider and give it to the Lord. He says, God, I'm tired of this cobwebs. I want you... To kill the spider. We see three different attires, if you will, that these people put on, if you will. First of all, was the fasting. Was the fasting. They considered themselves so poor before God that they had no food. And they were simply saying, we are so troubled by our sin. Food seems unimportant. Now, I love food. I think it's quite obvious I do. This afternoon, I I cooked hamburgers. Actually, my wife cooked the hamburgers. I was planning on grilling, but didn't quite get to it. But I did cook the mushrooms and the bacon and the cheese. We put it all together. I had a double bacon cheeseburger with mushrooms. It was so big, my kids wondered how I was going to get it in my mouth. I said, don't you worry about that, okay? It was good. I love to eat. But you know, these people were so poor, not because they didn't have food, but they were so poor that they begged God. They said, God, we're not going to eat because we want you so bad. And we desire to put you first in our life. We see the, not only the fasting, but we see the fabric they put on. The attire of the fabric, the Bible says sackcloth. Many of you know what this is, perhaps, but if not, it's a rough fabric like a burlap bag. Wearing sackcloth symbolizes mourning and humility. Sackcloth was a poor quality of material or a garment of goat hair, usually dark in color, though the shape of the garment is disputed. And it's a rough garment. And I remember as a kid, in fact, my dad still does, one of the products he puts out is popcorn in his burlap bags. And uh, we, uh, he, he stamps on there and prints on there a Amish symbol, whether it be a buggy or a barn or a windmill. And uh, we as kids, he would say, you know, if you cut them and sew them and turn them, I'll give you three cents each. And I forget as a kid cutting those and, and then we'd get to the turning point and we turn those inside out and we push them in and that burlap whistle scratchy and itchy. And by the time you finally finished several hundred of them, you were so itchy and you just wanted to go take a shower. It wasn't something you went to your wardrobe and opened up and said, ha ha, yes, it's burlap day. You didn't do that. It was a symbol of, Lord, we're so troubled by our sin. The normal comforts of life are unimportant. They were willing to go without food to show God they meant business. They were willing to don the 
uncomfortable clothing. But I want us to see, third of all, the foolishness. The foolishness that says there, they put the earth upon them. They literally took little handfuls of dirt and cast them on their heads. Now, I have seen many of the children do this. I have four of them. And no doubt, when we go to the ocean and go to the beach, the first thing they like to do, and let it run down on their... This is so cool. It's so hard to get it out of hair, is it not? But I've never seen, in all my years, an adult sitting on the beach saying, this looks like fun, and throwing it on. I'm sure to the world and to those who were not an Israelite at this time, they thought they were so foolish. What are you doing? Why are you throwing dirt upon your head? Well, this is showing their lowly state before God and saying we are so troubled by our sin. In fact, Matthew chapter 11, verse number 21, we see Jesus says, Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. This was very common to do when you wanted to get a hold of God. Stephen Davy said the dirt was a way of exposing and admitting their soiled hearts before God and each other. They were literally throwing dirt on their hair. Why? Because they wanted God to say, Hey God, our hearts are soiled with sin. We see the fasting. We see the fabric. We see the foolishness, if you will. Reminds me of the story of the soap manufacturer. Him and a pastor were walking together down a street in a large city. The soap manufacturer casually said, The gospel you preach, pastor, hasn't done much good, has it? Just observe. There is still a lot of wickedness in the world, and a lot of wicked people too. The pastor made no reply, and then they passed a dirty little child making mud pies in the gutter. And seizing the opportunity, the pastor said, I see that soap hasn't done much good in the world either. For there is much dirt and many dirty people around. The soap man said, Oh, well, soap is only useful when it is applied. And the pastor said, exactly. So it is with the gospel of Jesus Christ. May I encourage us tonight to realize that we are soiled before God. And I understand tonight we're probably in a crowd of people who most of you, if not all of you, are saved. But may I encourage you tonight, if you do not know Christ, that our sin has caused us to miss the mark. And our sin is keeping us from Jesus. I was sharing with this with the uh, uh, school kids on uh, Wednesday, I believe. Uh, uh, back in medieval times and, and these days, uh, 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 oftentimes there was archery competition. And the, the bow would go back and the arrow would fly. And if it missed the mark, it was called a sin. Whether it missed it by a fraction or it missed it by a mile. And if you missed it, no matter how far away it was, you sinned. May I encourage you tonight, our hearts are soiled because of our sin. The bad things we've done. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. The wages of this unrighteousness is death in hell. But Jesus Christ said, hey, I'll come. I'll die on the cross. I'll shed my blood, and when I shed my blood, the precious blood of Jesus Christ, it will cover your sin, and it will give you 
a way out. I'll never forget the day when I realized that Jesus Christ could redeem my sinful soul and I gladly gave my life to Christ. Do you know Jesus Christ tonight? I see the appropriate attire tonight, but number two, I see the appropriate attendance. The appropriate attendance. Look at verse number two. The Bible says, And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers. They separated themselves The reason they separated from non-Jews was because they were going to confess the sins of themselves and the sins of their own people. We see, first of all, the attendance of a need for confession. A need for confession. These dear people knew that they had to privately confess their sin. I got ahead of myself a little bit, but the word sin there was to miss the mark. James 1 verse 23 says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. The word of God here convicted them of sin. And may, I under, may we understand tonight a connection between uh, 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 sin and us is the word of God shows us where we've done wrong. Aren't you glad for the word of God that Jesus was willing, God was willing to put that there to show us where we've done wrong, and how we can do right. We see it was a private sin. Four preachers met for a friendly gathering. And during the conversation, one preacher said, Our people came to us, and they pour out our hearts. They confess certain sins and needs. Let's do the same today amongst each other. Confession is good for the soul, the pastor said. In due time, all agreed, and one confessed he liked to go to the movies and would sneak off when away from his church. The second confessed to liking to smoke cigars, and the third confessed to liking to play cards. When it came to the fourth one, he wouldn't confess. The others pressed him, saying, Come now, we confessed ours. What is your secret of, or, or, or your vice? Finally, he answered, It's gossiping, and I can hardly wait to get out of here. <laughs> Now, I don't know what your sin is tonight, but we all know we're sinners. And we all must privately go to God and confess our sins. By the way, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I see not only was this a private confession, but it was a public confession. It was so important because they had to admit not only they were sinners, but it came from their sinful ancestors. Now, I have great, great mom and dad. I have a great heritage. My grandpa and grandma went to church years and years ago. My great, great grandpa, Walter Lehman, which was in the 19, early 1900s, he took his family to church. In fact, my grandpa, there was uh, 10, ki- or, uh, uh, 10 kids in their family. I may have shared this before, but he said there was nine boys and each of us had a sister. I said, Grandpa, there's 18 of you. He says, no. I said, you said nine boys and each of you had a sister. He said, exactly. We have one sister. Uh, But anyways, they had ten kids. And uh, uh, out of those ten kids, uh, I believe six of them went to Bob Jones University in the early days. And and most of them were missionaries or pastors. It was amazing. I have a great heritage. But may I say, as great as they were, we're still sinners. 
We're still in need of a Savior. And may I encourage you tonight that these dear people not only confess their sins privately, but they confess their sins publicly. And they are willing to confess not just their sins, but the sins of their forefathers. And they knew that the very rut they had gotten in, it was because of the sins of their forefathers. And they did not want their sins to cause their children and their grandchildren to go astray. Nothing else. May we live a life pleasing to the Lord to glorify Him, but also to help those following behind us to do right too. My dad would often say, I would say, Dad, you have some pretty high standards and, and you have some, some, you really hold yourself uh, high and, and accountable to God. And, and man, it's hard to sometimes always do what you did. And he says, Son, that's for me, but I've always been taught those who follow usually fall down a couple notches. And maybe I do go a little high, but I'm hoping you guys will, will maybe get high enough to really please the Lord with your life. And I just thought, you know, may we live a life that those who are following us can say, you know what? I want to please the Lord too, like my daddy does, or my granddaddy does, or my grandma does. We see a public confession. Those raised in an environment of sin may well repeat those same sins, but not because they must but because their environment made an easy choice to make. I was meeting with a dear couple recently, and they said, I, 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 I struggle with anger, and I got to talk to them without that, and I really believe I was able to help them. And, and they said, he, he said this, he said, you know, Justin, my mom told me when I was a boy, she, he, she said, you are angry just like your father is. And he says, I'll never forget this as long as I live. I was thinking there as a boy, Mommy, why don't you help me not, not be angry like my daddy? My mommy never helped me. And because of that, I'm struggling with it even today. And I want to encourage you. If you're struggling with something, may you get it right. And if your kids are following in your same footsteps, help them get it right. And let's take care of it at an early age. But we see the public, the private confession. But I also see to negate from corruption... The Bible says there, and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. You see, I thought it was interesting, Spurgeon said this, Repentance grows as faith grows. Do not make any mistake about it. Repentance is not a thing of days and weeks, a temporary penance to be got over as fast as possible. No, it is the grace of a lifetime, like faith itself. Repentance is the inseparable companion of faith. In other words, repentance isn't something we finish after coming to Jesus. It is something that grows as we grow closer to the Lord. And repentance isn't just a one-time thing. These dear people understood, not only will we confess our sins, but we also want to make sure that we don't allow that sin to corrupt and creep back in and corrupt us again and again. Oftentimes in my life, I have to remember every day, Lord, please forgive me of my sin and help me to do right. Why? Because I don't want it to come back in again. I want to keep it away from me. And we see these dear people understood not only to the need for confession, but to negate it from becoming corruption in their life. I see, first of all, the appropriate attire. Second of all, tonight, I see the appropriate attendance. But third of all, tonight, I want us to see the appropriate adoration. The appropriate adoration. Look at in verse number four. The Bible says, Then stood up on the stairs all these wonderful men and cried with a loud voice unto the Lord their God. 
And then the Levites, these wonderful men, stood and said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever, and blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. I see a loud voice, they cried. I see the adoration through the preaching. The humble repentance and confession of sin would have been incomplete work if it were not for hearing the word and worship. God does not show us our sin, so we will humbly confess it, but so that we can walk on and do what is right before him. Kidner said this, and that light of the previous chapter, we may take it that the reading was no mere stream of words, but punctuated with explanatory comments and applications to the present Situation. The word of God wasn't just read and just fell on deaf ears or, oh, that was a good reading. No, no, it was a reading that spoke to their heart and they understood they needed it and they wanted God to use it to change their hearts. Roger Babson was an American historian and he visited the president, president of Argentina about 100 years ago. And the president said, you are a student of history, Roger, Will you please tell me why it is that South America, with their unlimited resources and having been settled earlier than North America, has nevertheless made much slower progress in civilization and material prosperity? Mr. Babson threw the question back upon the president and he said, Mr. President, you evidently have studied this question yourself and I would be interested to know your answer to it. The president replied that he thought the explanation lay in the fact that South America was settled by Spaniards who came seeking gold, while in North America it was settled by the Pilgrim Fathers who came seeking God. I want to encourage you tonight that if you seek God, I believe God will bless our life. Doesn't the Bible say that? If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will bless their land. We see tonight these dear Israelites understood after being through all this captivity and being through all this issue of building the wall again, knew that wall would not have had to be rebuilt if they would have stayed close to God and kept doing right. My dear friend, tonight, may we continue as teenagers and young adults and and, and up in years to continue to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord and see God continually bless our homes and our church. Not only through the preaching, though, I see the prayer. We see that in verse number four. Once again, they cried with a loud voice unto the Lord their God. The brokenness of heart has led them to humbly Come before God and hear his word. This prayer that follows, which we won't get in tonight. We're just going to verse 5 tonight. But it takes six and a half minutes to read. Um, Long prayer. D.L. Moody, the story is told that he asked someone to come and pray one time. And a man got up and started praying. And he started praying so long that D.L. Moody finally got up and says, Well, it's time to sing a song and we'll sing until this brother is done. What a long prayer that must have been. But this was a prayer that the people desperately wanted God to start blessing them again. 
They were being aligned by the preaching. They were being aligned by the prayer. And may I say tonight, may the Word of God stir our hearts. I understand tonight that I may not be the most uh, amazing preacher in all the world. And I've been a part of services where the altars have been filled. And, and oftentimes that's not the case for me. And I am not here to encourage you to do one thing or another. And I do believe that expository preaching can be built upon week after week. And God continue to do a work, whether at the altar or throughout your heart during the week. But I do want to encourage us with this thought. When the Word of God is being preached and you're spending time in God's Word and daily prayer, does it change your heart? Does it cause you to want to get closer to God? Or is it something that is just, oh, that was good. That was really good. And then we walk away and forget about it. Or does it cause a story in our heart that we decide that, you know what? I need to make some alignment this week. Man, I need to recall some things. I need to get back on track again. I need to get back to getting in God's Word and spending time in prayer. And then we see... Through the praise, they assembled to worship. After the encouragement to praise, Ezra gave them a reason to praise. It was the great God who made it all. By the way, when you look at the glory of God's creation, it certainly does give us a reason to praise Him, does it not? I know, I, 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 I never, ever get tired of looking at Mount Hood. I was visiting someone the other day that came last week. Uh, I visited our class, and I, and I said, hey, I said, you have a beautiful place here. They said, yeah, we have a view. I said, oh, really? We can see Mount Hood. Isn't that interesting? Most people in this area would love to have a place where they could just see the mountain, have a view. By the way, I think that's wonderful. Why? Because it helps remind us God did that. And praise the Lord, God did that. And if he can create that, man, God can do some amazing things in my life. We sometimes, I I read this this week and I wrote it down. I didn't come up with this. But we sometimes want our own reasons to praise God. We want God to give us some reasons, some blessings in our life to praise Him for. Maybe a $100 bill floating down the street. Praise the Lord. Maybe it's someone saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to buy your groceries today. Oh, praise the Lord. But may I say, whether God gives you a reason or not, God has plenty of his own reasons. And may we just praise him for how good he is. The leaders here take a lead in demonstrating humility, demonstrating unity, confession and praise. And for this church to continue to go on, for our families to continue to be blessed, may we as leaders rise up and say, Hey, God, we want you to continue To bless our lives. May you help us to have that repentant heart. Maybe it will take some fasting. Maybe it will take putting on the fabric. Maybe it will, what people believe is foolishness. But to us is getting your attention. God, please. We're serious about this thing. Bob Moorhead said this. We have learned to multiply our possessions. But we reduced our values. We've learned how to make a living but we've forgotten how to make a life. We've added years to life, but not life to years. Jesus talked about that in John 10, verse 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come 
that they may have life and they might have it more abundantly. I want to encourage us tonight to decide to put on the appropriate attire tonight, the appropriate attendance, and the appropriate adoration. In gratitude, that prompted an old man to visit an old broken pier on the eastern sea coast of Florida. Every Friday night until his death in 1973, this man would return and walk slowly back and forth, stooped over with a large bucket of shrimp. The seagulls would flock to this old man, and he would feed them from this bucket. Many years before, in October of 1942, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker was on a mission in a B-17 to deliver an important message to General Douglas MacArthur in New Guinea. But there was an unexpected detour which would hurl Captain Eddie into the most harrowing adventure of his life. Somewhere over the South Pacific, the Flying Fortress became lost beyond the reach of radio, and its fuel ran dangerously low. The men ditched their plane into the ocean, and for nearly a month, they found themselves in the water, fighting the weather and the scorching sun, and many sleepless nights recoiling as a giant shark rammed their raft. The largest raft was nine by five foot, the most harrowing adventure they had ever had, and the biggest shark they encountered was 10 feet long. All of their enemies were at sea, but one proved most formidable, and that was starvation. After eight days, their rations were long gone or destroyed by the salt water, and it would really take a miracle to sustain them. But then a miracle occurred. Captain William Cherry decided to have a service that day, and so they prayed with a prayer of deliverance and a hymn of praise. Some dozed off, but Captain Rickenbacker, about that time, felt something land on his head. He said they all saw it. They knew that something was a seagull, and they knew that little gull meant food if he could catch it. The rest, as they say, is history. Captain Eddie caught the gull. Its flesh was eaten. Its intestines were used for bait to catch fish. And they eventually survived 100 miles off of land, uncharacteristically because of that one gull offered sacrifice. Captain Eddie never forgot. Every Friday night, he would go and feed a whole bucket of shrimp, even into his old years, feeding those birds, thanking them for saving his life. He never forgot. And church, I want to encourage us tonight, like the children of Israel, may we have a lifetime of realignment and recalling and refocusing. And may we continue to remember how we were before salvation, before God got a hold of us. And may we never forget it. You know, God can do a work in us that's pretty amazing. And oftentimes we can start thinking that maybe we are pretty amazing ourselves. And God has to gently remind us that without me, you can do nothing. And may I encourage you tonight, like Captain Eddie Rickenbacker, decide, God, I'm never going to forget your goodness. In fact, I want the closest relationship with you anybody ever has ever had on earth. And I want to just fall in love with you.
And I want you to use me to do something great. Maybe you need realign tonight. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I know what can get me off track. I've seen it happen in my life. It's creeped in and God's convicted me about it. And I got to go and I got to get it right. And maybe it causes some fasting in your life. Maybe it causes some fabric in your life. Maybe it causes what people think is foolishness, but you're just realizing that, I, God, I need you. I want you to know I'm poor. I want you to know that I'm without you. And I, I got to have you. Lord, please help me. And maybe it's your need for confession, privately and publicly. And maybe you just need to make sure you negate from future corruption. Or maybe you need that proper adoration through the preaching of God's word, through the prayer, and through the praise. Every head bowed tonight, every eye closed. I don't know maybe how God's working in your heart. I do know how God is working, has worked on mine this week. But the children of Israel knew they were going, down, going to go down the same path again that their forefathers did if they didn't get it right with God. If they didn't allow God to do a work in their life. And maybe tonight that's you. Maybe you say, you know, that's me. Uh, Pastor Justin, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. And man, I really want Jesus Christ in my life. I, I don't know. Maybe there's someone here tonight. If that's you, will you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. And say, you know, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven. But I'll be honest with you. I, I maybe need some realignment. I need, to get, I need God to know that I'm serious, that I, I want to do right, and I want to, God to use me, and I need to get serious tonight. Maybe there's, some, maybe there's a teenager, a young adult, or an adult, anybody, I see those hands. How many say, you know, I, I feel like I'm right with God, but, but then God brought something in my heart that I need to confess to Him. I, I need something, or maybe there's some things, that I, a pathway I'm going down that, that, that I know isn't right, and God convicted me tonight. Anybody like that tonight? God bless you. Maybe there's someone tonight who you just say, you know, the preaching of God's word, the prayer, the praise. I've kind of gotten out of the loop a little bit, and I want to fall in love again with God's word again, God's people, and I want to fall in love with God again. Will you pray for me, anybody tonight? God bless you, Lord. You saw the hearts, and you saw the hands, and you know the hearts. I just pray that you'll use this simple invitation tonight. Lord, may you stir within us a desire to be realigned. And Lord, I, I pray that your word will truly change our life. Well, we got to let it. And Lord, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a long walk, Lord, in this vapor of life we have. And may we allow you to help us down that walk. To make good choices and to put you first and to stay aligned with you so we can see you do some amazing things maybe we need to kill a spider tonight lord in our life maybe we need to uh, 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 get the bar of soap out if you will and let it clean up our life your word lord maybe we need to just uh, be like eddie and just thank you and never forget your goodness to this your uh, us old sinners and we get back to remembering that i don't know what it is or may you help us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. The piano is going to play. If you could stand to your feet, the altar is open. I, I want to just encourage you to take a minute there, maybe in your pew, maybe you'd like to come forward. I do believe we have a baptism tonight. And uh, may I encourage you to uh, uh, just, uh, uh, just spend some time with God. Spend a minute or two there praying in your heart.
in your mind and as God would have you do it and just see what God would have you do tonight. seated. Uh, This time we have a video to share, just some upcoming events, and then I believe we'll have a baptism tonight. Grandview Men's Softball is back this summer, and you can sign up at the Welcome Desk today. This year we are playing our games at Westerland Park. The cost will be $40 to cover the field rental, team jerseys, hat, and several weeks of games. For questions or more information, please see Paul Potter. Join us for the Awana Awards Night, Wednesday, June 1st at 7 p.m. Children will say their verses and will be given awards based on their accomplishments in the program. Don't miss out on this chance to see how much God is working in the lives of the children here at Grandview. Mark your calendars for the Churchwide Outreach, Saturday, June 4th at 10.15 a.m. Join us for a delicious breakfast and an opportunity to share your faith in our community. Don't miss the Grandview Christian Academy High School Graduation Ceremony on Friday, June 3rd at 6 p.m. Be there to show your support for the graduating class members and to congratulate them on completing this important step in their lives. Our Young Adult Conference will be held Friday and Saturday, June 10th through 11th with Dr. Jim Shetler. The conference cost is only $15 and starts on Friday at 5 with Saturday sessions beginning at 9 a.m. and ending by 2. If you or someone you know is interested in attending, you can learn more information from the cards on the welcome desk or by going to our website, grandviewcares.com forward slash events. Sunday School Promotion is next week, June 5th. On this day, every elementary through high school student will be promoted to the next graded class. Stop by the welcome desk for a map of the Sunday school classes. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great week and we'll see you Wednesday night at 7. of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Well, I hope you have a great week, and as Pastor has always told us, uh, we love you and God loves you, 
and take care. You are dismissed.